the American Battlefield Trust seeks to preserve our nation's hallowed battlegrounds and educate the public about what happened there and why it matters today. They permanently protect these battlefields for future generations as a lasting and tangible memorial to the brave soldiers who fought in the American Revolution, the War of 1812, and the Civil War. You can help save battlefield land today by visiting battlefields.org. What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Tattoo Historian Show. I want to welcome you to a brand new year, 2020. Hope you had a fantastic holiday season and a happy new year. Hope your celebrations went well. I hope a lot of you didn't have too bad of hangovers and could get over that pretty quickly. But it's a new year, and I wanted to uh, come on and tell you about some things that are going on this year. Again, I hope you had a fantastic new year. Uh, Mine was pretty low-key. I spent it in Ontario, and uh, it was a great time, and I'm really looking forward to more time in Ontario this year, which I'll be talking about in a second. But, you know, there's a lot that's going to be happening with the Tattoo Historian brand. I wanted to go over that for the first podcast back in the new year. And one of the things that I wanted to go over was we're restarting the Tattoo Historian Presents series at the Gary Owen Irish Pub. My friends over to Gary Owen love these programs, and so do I. And on January 23rd, we're going to be doing one uh, that I'm really interested in because I think that uh, it's something that is often overlooked, and that's uh, getting new authors out there on on the stage, on the mainstream, so to speak. I love to talk to young historians. I love to talk to people uh, who are new authors or who are just out on the scene. This guy has some background on the scene, but he's uh, he's come out with a wonderful book, and that would be uh, Matthew Borders. He came out with a book a couple months ago, and it is on the Union soldiers of Gettys- or Antietam. Excuse me, it's the faces of the Union soldiers at Antietam, and we'll be having this event in Gettysburg, like we always do at the Gary Owen. Uh, Matthew's going to come by. We're going to start this up at seven o'clock, like we always do. And his book uh, is by Arcadia Publishing. You can check it out online. I'll throw a link up on my Facebook site, and you guys can check that out too. But if you remember a few months back, I spoke with Dan Vermilia about Antietam. And uh, Dan was great at the Tattoo Destroying Presents with that topic. This one will be a little bit uh, different, and I'm really looking forward to Matt being there and being able to put his name out there to a broader audience, such as yourselves. This is what's very important for me in the brand new year is that I can help out new historians, young historians, and give them a platform. It's one of the main reasons why I started the Tattoo Historian brand was because I not only wanted to showcase what I was doing at the time in the archives, I also wanted to help others get their names out there. It's not just about me and my brand. It's about helping others to get a leg up on the competition or to break into a new area of study, or to showcase a new area of study. That's what's very important to me. It's just this cooperative effort. And having events like that with uh, Mad Borders and, and with Dan Vermilia and everyone else who's going to be coming up on the Tattoo Story Presents series, 
is going to be a way for people to meet each other, to network, to reach out, uh, and just make something new and exciting happen in the history field. I think we're breaking down a lot of barriers with this kind of programming because I still see a lot of programming going on out there in different places all across the country, and it, it costs you to go to the programming. And sometimes it costs $10, sometimes it costs $20, I think we need more free programming. Friction-free history, as I say. There's no friction between the presenter and the audience. And this is the way we're going to open new doors to new people to come into the field and really understand that history is for everybody. We can't sit up there and say history is for everybody, but it's going to cost you at the door. That's just not the way it should be, especially in this day and age when people are on two jobs and still trying to make ends meet. It's very important for people like me and my friends and my peers to have free programming so that we can put this on so everyone feels welcome. In fact, I just saw a, an, an event pop up yesterday on my news feed on Facebook, and it cost $30 a head to go to the event. Well, I know I can't afford that right now with everything else going on, and it just wouldn't be worth my time to go because I would be out $30 before the information ever starts flowing. So to me, it's really important that we get information out there as quickly as we can, but also with a friction-free mentality. And I'm going to talk about a tour later where we're going to do just that, that I really think a lot of you are going to enjoy and possibly be a part of, be there physically or watch it online. I'm going to go over that here in a couple minutes, but this is my point. 2020 we need to make history more friction-free for a lot more people so if you're involved in event planning consider that for the future you know if you can't do it for free drop the price try to help someone out a little bit uh it's not about becoming you know the i don't know six figures and worrying about what kind of car you drive it's about getting history out to the masses and that's so very important uh, on this day and age, because if I'm putting on an event, someone has to pay $10 to come into it. That's $10 they could have put towards preservation, or that's $10 they could have put in a tank of gas to get to their job. I would feel really badly if I had to charge everyone for coming to an event that I put on. So I'm really appreciative of places like the Gary Owen Irish Pub who allow me to do free programming. Go find one around you. If you want to do programming, go find a place around you that will allow you to have an event. And tell them, uh, we can put butts in the seats on an off night for you, and we can do some really cool programming about history or whatever it is you're into. I think that's a really important thing that we have to think about because it's all about a sense of community and a sense of curiosity and feeding that curiosity in our society. We can't feed it when we don't allow people to sit down to the table because they can't afford to. It's a really important point that I want to bring across for the new year. Uh, so that one with, with Matt Borders is January 23rd, and I'm really looking forward to that because it's the first Tattooed Historian Presents of the new year. And then I go right into February, and I'm going out to Pittsburgh. And this one's going to be really cool because I get to talk about a subject which is really interesting to me, and that's uh, death in the Civil War and historical memory. Uh, it's a very dark subject, obviously, but when you're talking about war, there's going to be death. And sometimes we uh, polish over that, and we don't want to think about it. And 
too often that becomes sanitary. I want to dive deep into what it was like for these soldiers. So I'm going to be speaking at the Andrew Carnegie Free Library next month on February 8th. And I was asked to talk about this subject. And I thought, well, I'll take it from the perspective of soldiers from Pittsburgh. How did they perceive death? How did they see it around them? And then how do they think about it later? So I'm going to be taking it from uh, basically 1862, 1863, all the way up to the 1880s. And how do their thought processes change on the idea of death, the idea of sacrifice, and what their comrades had sacrificed for their cause? I really think it's going to be a great time. The, the location is fantastic. Major shout out to my friend Rich Condon with Civil War Pittsburgh. We're going to meet up while we're out there and hang out a little bit. And again, that's a networking collaborative effort. We're going to sit down and talk about the future. Uh, we might hit up a Civil War site or two outside of Pittsburgh and uh, trade notes, basically, and discuss what we're trying to do. Uh, we're not on opposite teams here. We are on the same team, working in our own way, and trying to navigate the waters of the field. And I think that collaborative effort is going to be really fantastic. One of the cool things that I'm really looking forward to is History Symposium. And this comes up in March, and I'm going to be going up to Ontario. I'm going to be going to Kitchener, Ontario. And uh, I'm going to be talking about how historians or history nerds can do some outreach on social media. This is where you guys learned about me. So I should be able to get up there and tell people what worked for me. And I'm not going to go up there and I'm I'm not going to be like, this is, is definitely going to work for you and, and uh, you know, just have like this weird training session. I'm going to talk about what worked for me and how people can take some content and possibly make it, utilize it in a different way and use it for their needs. I think we need to reinvigorate this idea of multiple platform content creation so that we can reach new audiences and we can make it more viable for the future. Just to sit around and decide, well, I'm not going to use that app because I think it's stupid, is not going to help anyone. Uh, as I listed for the event, I'm on seven different platforms right now, and sometimes they run together, I'll admit. Uh, there are times where I don't remember what I published on each one. But it's so very important for us in this day and age to use a free platform to get the word out about what we're doing. There are millions and millions of users on Facebook where I started this whole thing. And there are millions and millions of users on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, but there are other places where we can talk about reaching new audiences and utilizing them to the best of our abilities. So the History Symposium is at the Waterloo Region Museum in Kitchener, Ontario. You'll hear more about this on my page. But I'm really looking forward to doing it because, again, this is outreach. This is networking. This is providing a friction-free environment for people to learn a little bit about history and to plug their historical site or their museum or their nonprofit. I basically took... A three-hour training session that I made and I'm squeezing it down to an hour and I did this for History Cam Virginia uh, but I'm retweaking it because data changes every month on social media and I'm gonna make this work for uh, the period that we are living in now like 
2020, early 2020, I'm going to take some data from my site, utilize it in my presentation, and we're going to exchange notes. Uh, I really think that's going to be a great thing. That's on March 7th. Now, the day before, we're doing uh, a, a session called Reach Out, Conquering Social Media. That, again, is at the Waterloo Region Museum in Kitchener. And what we're going to do there is we're going to have a more intensive training. So businesses are going to come in, and we're going to talk about social media and branding for businesses in general or historians or whomever it may be. I'm really looking forward to that because it's basically me going over some data sets that I have acquired through all this stuff I've done. And then we're going to have uh, a hardcore 45-minute kind of Q&A discussion about what worked for them. And uh, we're really going to trade notes. And I think you're going to see an uptick in social media use by historical places after this is all done because uh, some people are really fired up about this. And I want to see what's working with other organizations because maybe they're doing something that I'm not. And we can exchange those notes and we can decide what works best for us. I know there are places who don't have an Instagram. I know there are places who don't even have a Twitter. Uh, they focus strictly on Facebook. So what works for them may not work for me. But we can trade notes and decide for ourselves. And this is this collaborative effort. Again, collaboration in the field is so very important, but it doesn't have to be just sitting on a panel. It can be exchanging notes about our social media presence. Uh, you know, when we tally up votes, when we put a vote up on Facebook, what did that show us? Who's involved? Who's engaged? Uh, because I think engagement is going to be the key feature in 2020. I think that a lot of entities are uh, falling short of where they need to be, especially when they have social media marketers and managers. And we're going to go over that at that thing. But the last uh, event I wanted to bring up here as we go into the new year is this. And this is a big one for me. And this is the one that um, really means a lot to me because where it all began for me. And that is, I'm going to be once again collaborating with Gaysburg National Military Park, uh, the Civil War Institute at Gaysburg College, and the Georgetown Moore Center for the Civil War, or for Study of the Civil War at Shepherd University. We're going to put on a free tour. And it's going to be two hours, maybe a couple minutes more, depending. And we're going to go to the north end of Gettysburg, and we're going to talk about the first day's battle from the 11th Corps' perspective. So this is the Union 11th Corps, the Germans, uh, mainly Germans, who uh, were involved in that action just north of town on July 1st, 1863. And this is going to be a great event. Some of you last year were at our Culp's Hill event, and we did a free tour there. I, I didn't get a talk for that, but I co-sponsored the event. Now this year I'm going to be talking. You want me to take a spot on the tour so I gotta up my game this year uh, but if you go over on my Facebook site facebook.com slash the tattoo historian you'll see under the events page April 18th it's a Saturday July 1st 1863 courage cowardice and the creation of memory so it's going to be myself uh, Chris Gwynn Ranger Chris Gwynn from Gaysburg National Military Park uh, it's going to be Dr. James Brumall from Shepherd University, and it's going to be Dr. Pete Carmichael from Gettysburg College. And so we four uh, are going to go out on the battlefield, and we're going to do a walking tour along the 11th Corps line. This tour is going to be a little over a mile in length, 
and it's going to be a really great time because I believe we have four stops on the tour. We're going to speak, each of us is going to speak for 10 to 15 minutes at each stop, and this is going to be a really awesome event. And the other reason why it's awesome, it's free. You guys can come out, you can check it out, you can get your steps in, you can, you know, put your Fitbit on, get out there, and, uh, you know, get your steps in for the day, and get some history in as well. Uh, We're starting at 10 a.m., and we're going to go to about noon, and I'm really looking forward to that. Last year, 200 people or so came to our Culp's Hill event, which was astounding. It was amazing. And now I'm seeing that on the Facebook event site for this particular event on April 18th, we have over 400 people who are interested in coming or getting more information about it. So I would say we're probably going to get up over that 200 mark this time. Um, I would love to see 300 show up. Uh, if you can't be there physically, I talked to uh, Ranger Gwen and Chris and I were talking about possibly having some live streaming of parts of the tour, and we'll see how that goes. As long as I have battery power, we can do that. Uh, so if you can't be there physically, we can at least get you some live stream uh, tastes of what we're trying to do. But again, this is April 18th, and it's 10 to 12, and it's going to be a great time at Gettysburg. As I said before, you can go over my Facebook page, check out all these events. But why bring all these events up? Well, there's a common theme to these events, and that theme is uh, collaboration, networking, and friction-free history. So that's common themes, I should have said. I should have made it plural. Anyway, I think this is very important for a lot of fields, not just the history field. A lot of fields need this. Instead of creating an an environment where we're constantly at each other's throats as competitors, we need to start thinking about it as if we work together, we can create something huge. And we can make this a bigger tent for everyone to be under. Sometimes historians, when they find new information, they hold it close to the chest They don't want to talk to anybody about it until they're done. I've found the best historians whom I've ever met are ones who will share that information with someone else and say, oh, I just came across this really cool thing in the archives. You'll never believe it. And they tell people knowing that 95% of those people aren't going to go after that same document. I guarantee you that. People are going to say, oh, I'm going to look that up. They don't look it up. They don't go after it. Uh, You have to, you know, you don't have to hold it close to the chest to be a good historian. A A good historian finds great information and shares it with everybody else. Because why hold it close to the chest for a long period of time? Is it to sell more books? Is that what it's about? It's about money? It should be about the field. It should be about the history. And I just totally disagree with this mentality that I have to hold this close because if someone else gets it, they're going to write a book on it. People are still writing books on the Battle of Gettysburg. And how many of those are out there? So your interpretation of one historical event is going to be different than someone else's interpretation of a historical event. Or the voice which they write that blog post is going to be different 
than a voice of someone else writing that same style of blog post about that same subject. So I think it's time for us as historians, as history nerds, to start working together more and not worrying about, you know, some Pulitzer we're hoping to win or whatever it may be, getting on the New York Times bestseller list. We need to start worrying about legacy and the legacy of the field and the legacy of ourselves. How are we going to be remembered? Are we going to be remembered as people who found great stuff and then hit it so no one else can find it? Or are we going to be remembered for people as people who shared things out and allowed people to learn and gave it away? Because that's what's going to make more of a mark. So when people ask me, why don't you charge a cover charge at the Gary Owen? Because I don't need to. I don't want to. It's not that I'm independently wealthy. I'm definitely not. It's because it's the right thing to do. And that's why I will consistently do free programming if I'm running it. Because I feel it's the right thing to do to get more out there to the masses. So when I talk about these tours that I'm going to be doing with Gettysburg, uh, or I talk about the Tattoo Historian Presents series or anything like that, I'm very proud of it because I can look at anyone and say, you're welcome to be there. There's no cover or there's no charge. Friction-free history. That's the key. So networking comes into play then because someone may have been shut out from that event because they couldn't afford to be there but they have a hell of a resume or they have an idea about a monograph which is just spot on and they can't share it with someone else who's at that event because they couldn't afford to be there. I think that it is a very sad thing to witness and I think that needs to change. I understand needing to turn the lights on. You have to have the bills paid. Totally understand that. But I think that if we positioned ourselves in the field to allow more people to be involved in the field, we also position ourselves to be able to make that money somewhere else to turn the lights on in the museum or wherever that may be. It's just a way of putting it, you know, as turning the lights on. It's very important for me to get it across to people that when you can allow anybody to come in and they feel welcome to be there because it didn't cost them to be there, that is such a huge uptick in that curiosity stream that we need in the field, that we need in uh, the public, really. Um, I know there have been some great movies that have just come out lately and people are really interested in historical topics. Look at all the movies that have come out in the last six months. There are multitudes of history-based movies based on a true story, whatever it may, however you may say it. But if it's based on a true story, well, then we have to get to the point of that story. And people are being introduced to that through mass media, through these movies. For example, I have seen an uptick in people looking at First World War stuff online and posting it online since 1917 came out. Now there's a, a desire to try to learn more and try to 
figure out why World War I occurred or why men went off to fight in the war. I think that's fantastic. Sometimes when you see a new video game come out, uh, it's based on the First World War, based on the Second World War, based on the American Revolution. You see an uptick in what is going on with people studying that time period. Uh, Red Dead Redemption, there's a big one. I saw an uptick with people who were posting stuff about the West after that happens. So embracing media to allow us to teach and fuel that curiosity is one of the major ways I think we're going to be changing things up in 2020. I'm seeing a lot of people doing historical board gaming. They're posting it on Facebook. Uh, the other week I saw some guys who were doing it and they were live streaming the board. I think that's awesome. Um, uh, that is something that is very, very important to let others see you know, what is going on in the field. Um, and I still have yet to be a part of this historical board gaming, but I'm going to get into that too. Uh, I can see that in the future. I'm really looking forward to trying it, and I have several friends who do it. Uh, I just don't get invited to parties. So I guess I'm not the life of the party. But one thing that uh, I really wish to talk to you about on this particular episode is that we're going to be doing a lot of different things here in 2020. And what I mean by that is it's not just going to be interviews. We're going to do book reviews. Uh, we're going to talk about movies. We're going to talk about video games. We're going to talk about board games. We're going to talk about all kinds of stuff because I want to open this up to not just being just an interview show. I want to open this up to it being something that you can get value from in multiple ways. Uh, some of you love the interviews. Some of you have reached out to me and said that you love when I give my thoughts on a certain part of the field. Some of you uh, want to hear more about the latest video games that have come out, which are based on historical events. Okay, let's let's rock and roll. Let's do that. Um, let's talk about all kinds of stuff because that's what's so very important to what we're trying to do. And... I think there's going to be a major change in my brand this year. I'm not, you know, going away. I'm not uh, changing it up outside of history. I'm going to be myself. The thing is, uh, I have just been notified that I've been accepted to a PhD program in London, Ontario, at uh, the University of Western Ontario. So... I'm going to be moving geographically to Ontario uh, later this year. So what does that mean? That doesn't mean the Tattoo Destroying brand is going to shut down uh, because this is my legacy project. Remember, guys? This is something I need to do. And I'm going to keep doing this uh, as long as I can. So that's definitely not going away. But what is going to happen is you're going to get new things in history on this page and on this podcast, and on this app, whatever it may be. Because I'm going to be going to a different geographical area, I'm going to be meeting new people, and it's time to bring about a change in that way. So not only are we going to focus on American history, we're going to focus on Canadian history. We're going to do overlapping history. Maybe there's some 1812 stuff that we can talk about. I know there is. I know there's some people who listen to this podcast who are 
passionate about the War of 1812, uh, passionate about the Seven Years' War, passionate about the American Revolution. And I think we need to cover those topics in a cross-border kind of way. So I'm going to be doing that. Um, I, I have people in Canada who want me to do live stream tours of their historic sites and of their museums. I'm going to be doing that as well. Uh, so with this great opportunity in my life to basically have the dream I've always wanted, which was to earn my PhD and show everyone that you could go from literally paving roads like I used to do to a PhD, this is also going to open the doors up for all of you to be exposed to new history and new methods of history, doing history. And I think you're going to see a difference in the public history world, like I talked about in a previous episode. America has a certain way of doing public history. Well, so does Canada. And I think that we need to go over that in greater detail. And I hope to shed light on all that when I get up there, uh, which will be, as I said, later in 2020, as I start my uh, studies for my doctoral degree. And it will be a fascinating adventure. And I know I'm going to document a lot of that on my pages and on my podcast be documenting my journey through becoming, uh, you know, a doctorate in history or earning that doctorate in history. Because a lot of people, I think, need to understand that as well, how hard the journey is and uh, that not everyone, you know, is capable of doing it. And some people it's very tough and some people it's very easy. And I would love to speak to other students about their journeys, whether they're getting their, their bachelor's degree, their master's degree, uh, challenges faced, and all that stuff. Uh, and I've been asked to speak with some students in different universities about digital history and digital humanities, and I'm perfectly willing to do all that. In fact, I'm going to be Skyping into the University of Southern Mississippi soon. So if you are down there in Hattiesburg, shout out to you guys. I'm going to be doing some Skype stuff in the classroom to all of you down there and I'm really looking forward to that uh, and I think that this all comes back to the fact that I love to just share history and I love to allow anyone to sit in on it and I love to get the feedback and when people um, share their history with me or share what they've learned about history that is such a beautiful thing to me um, it's really an art form to me it's like, uh, you know, this gigantic puzzle that we're trying to piece together and create a beautiful piece of art. That's the way I see the history field. I don't see it as an us versus them kind of thing or I have this and you don't. I see it as I have this and I want to share it with you. And here's where I found it. That's a beautiful thing to behold when you see it being done in a large scale. And I really hope to bring that alive later on in my life for students if I ever get the pleasure of having my own classroom. Uh, that's, that's really my end goal. I would love to teach at the university level for two, three decades before I'm done. Uh, they're going to have to probably kick me out of the classroom uh, to get me out. But it's that idea of having history for everyone. And I'm so very appreciative uh, to have the opportunity to go to UWO and uh, be in London, Ontario, a city which I which I really enjoy being in. 
and being around people whom I really look up to and admire. And I'm really honored that uh, they're going to take a chance on me. That's one thing. I, I thought that I'd be applying for five years before I got picked up. It just so happened I applied and I was picked up. And uh, I was shocked that it was that quick. But they understood what I'm trying to do with this brand and with this podcast. And uh, they decided to give me a chance. So I'm very appreciative of that. Uh, if you all don't follow the history department at the University of Western Ontario, I suggest you do that. We're going to be doing a lot of cool things together in the future, and I'm sure I'm going to be on there playing around on some posts from time to time. Um, but I'm really excited for what the future holds in that way. So again, here in 2020, uh, there's a lot to a lot to come, and I'm working on a very cool blog series for Emerging Civil War. Uh, major shout out to them for a lot of what they do, but also for allowing me to pick up this project and run with it. Uh, so over the next few months, uh, well, probably over the next month, I'm going to be doing a series of interviews and doing blog posts on emerging civil war. And you'll want to go over and check out that blog. And I think you're going to like what I'm going to be doing on that. We're going to be talking about uh, ways that we're pushing the field forward in the field, literally in the field. And I think you're going to really enjoy that. Uh, a series of interviews with some people who are pushing the field forward in that way. And I'm going to do podcast interviews with them, but then I'm going to do the blog posts as well. So you guys are going to get it both ways. You're going to see the blog if you're more into reading, or you can be on here and we'll do it verbally uh, or this way. And uh, you can listen to it in the car or whatever you need to. But just getting that point across in multiple platforms in a friction-free environment, so very important to me. And I know it's important to many of you. So I'm really looking forward to what 2020 holds. I know that I'm probably going to be here uh, in the United States until July at some point because I got to get up to Ontario now and get ready for class. Uh, I'll be 39 years old and going back to class. This should be fun. But I'm really looking forward to the challenge. So I appreciate all of you guys tuning in to this introductory episode to 2020. There's so much more to come. I have a lot of interviews that are coming. I'm going to be reaching out to some Twitter historians on Twitter because you guys have some awesome dissertations and theses ideas that I really want to talk to you about. I want to get you on here so we can get the youth and the young students on here talking about what they're passionate about. That's really key for me. I really want to get you guys a platform, and you got it with me. You have a stage you can perform on anytime with me. Uh, reach out to me on Facebook and let me know what you're working on. Guys, I'm talking to you. Let me know what you're working on uh, because maybe we can talk about it on here. Uh, we can do some kind of an interview live stream if we're in the same area. Uh, if you're at a museum and you're doing a new exhibit, let's talk about that. Let's talk about working together to get that out to the masses. I am so open-minded, it's crazy. I'll, I'll try to get it out there as best as I can uh, and fill my calendar before I head north because then it'll be time for some people in Ontario to use me for, for their platform, and I am so happy about that. But I will be, uh, while I'm up there, I will be coming back because my family's still down here. And I will be doing content creation when I'm back in the States. 
And then, uh, you know, it'll be kind of cool. You guys are going to get to see history from two sides of the border. And we'll see how that goes. And we'll just roll with it. But 2020 is going to be really awesome. And uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I hope you all had a wonderful Happy New Year and a healthy New Year. And, you know, this is going to be a great year for the history field. Because I I see people already putting events up where they're collaborating and they're networking. And it's just fantastic, and I'm really excited about it. So, guys, I hope you will tune in next week to the next installment of this podcast. Uh, Please like it, share it, rate it, uh, send it to your friends, and we have so much more to come. If you have an idea for something you would like to talk about, please reach out to me. Private message me on Facebook, uh, you know, or if you follow me on Instagram, slide into those DMs, guys. Let's, Let's talk. Because this field is opening up and we need to get as many voices involved in this field. And I'm more than happy to interview you about whatever paper you're working on, research you're working on. Uh, You know, we need to talk about it. And I think that's really, really the way we move this field forward in the future. And I'm so thrilled that you're along for the ride. So take care, guys. I wish you the best in 2020. I'll talk to you next week.